Welcome to Vinylize. I'm Mark Sykes. And I'm Paul McCormick. Friendship is a special kind of boat. It can take you places you never thought you'd go. It can challenge you and help you grow. Some friendships are short and sweet, while others last a lifetime. Some friends will inspire you to do things that you never thought were possible, like running a marathon, while others will fill a creative void by allowing you to write, play, and record music together. And if you're really lucky, well, then you fall in love with your best friend. This week's vinylized artist has a special friend who has challenged him to write a new song each week for the past 15 years. That's 780 songs. What? Let's drop the needle on this week's album. Finalize and send it to me. Realize the songs that set you free. This week we're talking about the third studio album by Jason Mraz titled We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things. Released on May 12th, 2008, this album was actually preceded by three EPs. We Sing, which was dropped on March 18th, We Dance, which was released on April 15th, and We Steal Things, which was released on May 13th as a digital bundle on iTunes. Look at this as a trilogy of EPs that made up this whole album that we're going to review. And this album peaked on the Billboard 200 at number three. And one of the hit singles, I'm Yours, spent 76 weeks on the Hot 100. His other singles also were big, big hits. Make It Mine and Lucky featuring Colby Calais each won a Grammy in 2010. So there's 12 songs on We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things. And I can't wait to talk more about this album with you, Mark. But first, I want to hear from you. Why did you choose this album? I've always enjoyed this record. It came out of nowhere for me, and I was just always really excited to have it playing in the background of my life uh, over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years. It's a product of what digital downloading and music today is. Um, you know, it's fun lyrics. There's a great vocal performance throughout the whole record. The genre of music jumps around a lot. It's safe music, but it can be an acquired taste at times. And I'm really interested in artists who rely on session musicians. Because on this record, you know, there's 20-some uh, musicians on the, on the album. There's two choruses, uh, or choirs, sorry, that add to a lot of the choruses of this song, uh, or this this album. So it's just really interesting for me that it's like a collection of people adding to create what this album is. But Jason Mraz is kind of like the captain of this ship, which is really interesting. What did you think of this album? Well, I didn't really know much about Jason Mraz before I listened to this album. Um, I knew the song I'm Yours, but the other ones I had no clue uh, what I was getting into. And you're right about the diversity of his song um, style. I don't think he could really box it up and give it one certain um, style or genre. It's all over. Like sometimes the songs are a bit of a rap. Sometimes it's like a, a crooner kind of song, like you'd hear Frank Sinatra singing, or it's all piano. It's a mixture of both. Like he's he's all over the map, but I think that's what makes Jason Mraz Jason Mraz. You know, you're not getting one simple genre. You're getting a bunch. And I think um, if you're not totally into the style of his music, you'll still really be drawn in by his lyrics because this guy 
is an amazing poet. The way he writes, the way he describes things through his words, it blows your mind. And we're going to get into that, I'm sure, as we talk about each song and the meaning behind it. Um, So that to me is kind of the type of artist he is. He's way better with his words um, than his song style. And that's not to say his song style isn't good. It's, It's awesome. But I mean, it's his words that really define him, I think. His lyrics are like a race car. You know, you see it, it catches your eye, but it's fast and it's gone before you know it. And you're like, what yeah. was that? Was that a Lamborghini? Yeah. You know, yeah. and then there's points to the record where he says things and you're like, what did he just say? And and you want to read it. You want to like track back on the song. Um, it kind yeah. of allows you to enjoy the song over and over and over again. It's like one of those like paintings that has like, a lot of different, like a collage of paintings mm-hmm. that you can look over to yeah. the left and see something and to the right, like yeah. the Dookie cover of, uh, yeah. you know, for Green Day, right? Well, I think that's looking at it like artwork is a good way to look at it. It really makes you use your brain and think, what is he trying to say here? And it, it, it's done in a good way. Um, it really grips you. It draws you in and you keep wanting to learn more. Like you said, you, you hear a word or a phrase and you're like, hey, what? is this what he meant? And you kind of go back, you re-listen to it, you listen to the next line, and then you start connecting some dots. It's interesting that you say you want to learn more because I was watching an interview with him this week and he says that he doesn't generally name the album after a song because he always feels like, you know, naming the album something different allows him to say something else, you know? So there's no song on the album called, you know, we sing, we dance, we steal things because it's a way Mm -hmm. for him to like, you know, have an extra message out there on top of all of the songs. And so why don't we talk about why the album is called We uh, We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, the, the words and what they mean stand out to me first. And it really speaks right to our first point that we're making here, Mark, which is these words make you think. Yeah. And when you look at this title, you're like, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we sing might mean good. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. We dance is a good thing. Yeah. But we we steal things bad. Mm. <laughs> or or Jason Mraz is a really uh, loving, uh, earthy kind of guy. Maybe he's saying we're stealing hearts. You know, we're stealing love. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And maybe steal is like a harsh word, but he's really maybe saying like he's borrowing you know, yeah. but it, it's more catchy to say he's stealing it than borrowing it. Um, yeah, it's almost like his mantra almost. He's like, he's singing, he's dancing, and he's almost living life to the fullest, right? Well, he's re- he's really influenced by this artist, David Shrigley. Okay. And, and, and we sing, we dance, we steal things is one of the works of art from David Shrigley. Um, it's a book that he wrote. And uh, I, I looked into David Shrigley quite a bit. And he's got a ton of just um, sometimes it's abstract thought, but I don't know how many more times I'm going to say this tonight, Mark. It gets you thinking. For sure. Uh, I don't know what this book was about that he wrote. I don't know what the point of it was. Um, Unfortunately, when you kind of Google this, what comes up is David Mraz's album. And it kind of, um, you know, it just piles on top of David Shrigley and his work. So I couldn't really find out what that was about. And the three phrases work well with the idea of this three, you know, EP bundle that gets released through the digital download, which is, you know, maybe something that wouldn't have happened before uh, digital downloads. So, you know, we sing as one EP, we dance as one and we steal things. So, but then Mm -hmm. you can bring it all together to make 
uh, one big, awesome, epic album. What do you think of the album artwork? The very first thing that <laughs> I thought of was uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you remember where there's like this pen sketch of what uh, Walter White might look like? Yes. You know, it's it's a very simple sketch. Um, in this case, it's Jason Mraz. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I'm not, I mean, it's nothing um, to rave about, but I think the depth in this is that all of his artwork related to this album is done by David Shrigley. And I don't know if David is the artist who also does that thing where he never takes the pencil or pen off the mm -hmm. page. So you can actually watch him create. And at first you're like, what is he drawing? But then eventually, mm -hmm. because, you know, he links it all with one, one pen stroke, it, it, mm -hmm. it opens up where it become, it becomes real life. Yeah. It's very cool. He's, he's an artist of many talents. Yeah. Um, he does sculptures, he does photography. Um, he's written books. He does like all sorts of sketches. So it's not like he's a one trick pony where this album cover that you see is all he does. He does a ton of other stuff. Um, but I noticed that the, the simple face drawing is on, um, like other, um, album artwork related to this album. So for the, uh, EPs that were released, we sing, we dance, we steal things. Each one had artwork related to, um, David Shrigley. Yeah. And looking at all this, it's kind of funny actually, cause you see like, a, you know, comparisons, but you're like, oh, there's something different. Yeah. You know, there's one where yes. it's his head and then there's like different things around him. Like yeah, was that? <laughs> I just I think it's was, funny when people do that. I love it too, man. I love it too. So um, the first album, uh, sorry, the first track off this album is "Make It Mine." I gotta admit, like when I heard this, this is my first intro into the album, so I don't know what to expect because I only know I'm yours, right? And I hear this very upbeat, happy, jazzy song, mm -hmm. and dude, the beats are so fast on this, and it's fun. It's got great horn solos and a brass section backing it. But I can't dance to this song. Like I imagine like a five-year-old kid doing like spaghetti arms and crazy <laughs> legs dancing to it. Like, you know, probably with no shirt on or something, just going nuts. Um, the energy song, the energy in the song is something I would love to see played live because it seems like, ooh, I don't know if they could. Like it's it's a difficult song. Um, how would this play out live? And I bet you he does do it and I bet you it's done well. Yeah, the horns really do make this song. There's a there's three guys who are part of I think they're called the Groveline Horns. Okay. And so he was playing with them a bit before uh this happened, but there's a song coming up later on the album where they really work together well and then mm -hmm. uh, the, a story comes out of it. So stay tuned for that. But I think for this song the horns really do make it. it it's whimsical. It's it's almost dreamlike guitar. Um it really does feel like an introduction song, and I think the message here is that you know, uh, make your dreams come true, you know, mm -hmm. like let, let, let the music and the lyrics come off the page and, and be the best you can be. Cause he even says like, wake up everyone. How can you sleep like a at a time like this, unless the dreamer is the real you. And then he says some funny things like listen to your voice, taste past the tip of your tongue and yeah. <laughs> leap and the net will appear, which is a, which is a great, yeah. way to think about life, right? You just got to jump into things and, you know, the, the safety net's going to be there. <laughs> taste, taste past the tip of your tongue. Yes. Like just, you know, it's one of those mind, it messes up your mind when you, when you try and think about it. I love it. And so you said that he won a Grammy uh, for best male pop vocal performance vocal. for this song, yeah. which I can totally yeah, see. It's great. 
Absolutely. And that was in 2010. It's a great song. It's fun, energetic, upbeat. It's good. Something you may not know is that, uh, you know, this is his third album, but he actually felt like he crashed and burned after his second album. And he took some time off music and fell into documentaries and maybe writing music wasn't landing with him anymore. Um, But it's interesting that this is the song that opens up the third album that says mm-hmm. like, you know, I've got to grab onto my dreams again. And if, if I'm the dreamer, then I'm either going to stay sleeping to see the dream out or I need to wake up and, you know, jump and trust that the net's going to yeah. be there. He, and he, he's bringing it. Hey, what, what, a, what a way to lead by example here, right? <sighs> Brings it with a lot of energy and he's literally saying, I'm going to make it mine. Yeah. So cool, man. Speaking of making it mine, what about I'm Yours as wow. song number two? <laughs> what do you think of that um, song? Well, I got to say the obvious, that it's a catchy tune, but it's the lyrics and the poetic imagery that draw me into this amazing, amazing song. Um, I, I think it's it's about dating a person who, you know, when you first date them, you, you kind of wonder, how did I end up with this person? I mean, they're way hotter than I am. <laughs> um, and you kind of put them on a pedestal, right? Mainly right. because of their looks. Well, in this song, he sort of gets past that superficial part. And he realizes that he hasn't been himself. And now he wants to get back to being really who he is. Mm. Um, and so to me, that's what the first uh, verse describes is, is what I'm talking about. Like getting back to the beginning um, based on looks. But the rest of the song is him saying to her, open your heart and free your mind. And if you do, you're going to find love. Yeah. And he's giving you know? himself fully to her. He's saying, I'm yours you know, Mm -hmm. do what you will. I really like the background vocals throughout this song. I think they're really catchy. And he starts to get into some like, um, I don't know what it's called. It's called scatting where he's not actually saying words, but it's like, I know he's not doing this. But he does it so well. And I don't know if it's improv, if he does it the same way all the time, but it's something that, you know, we haven't really encountered with other vinylized artists yet. And I'm into it. I think it's really cool. Like, I like to sing along with it. I think we all try and scat as well. And it's hard to do, right? You can maybe get three words out and it sounds good. And then it just like a train going off the rails. Um, you know, I, I totally agree with you with the um, backup singers in this boosting the words love, love, love. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I'm yours. To me, it was almost like if this was um, written on a computer, it would have been bold, underlined, yeah. and extra, extra large font. Like they really boosted on the song with these backing vocals. And I think it's to drive that point home. Um, love and I'm yours. I watched an interview where he's talking about his hat game because he does like to wear hats. In fact, even mm-hmm. when he was in like grade two, he got like his parents to write a letter that said he could wear a hat in his school picture. <laughs> um, and he literally says, it's not because I'm bald. It's just, I don't really like wasting my time, like fixing my hair. And in the song, it says, rid yourself of vanities and just go with the season. So it almost Mm -hmm. like he's, you know, talking to that point of like, you know, don't worry about getting dolled up or dressed up to go out with me. Like, let's just, let's just go have fun together. And did you know this song was actually a B-side to the second album? Yeah. So no. Yeah. So this song was written. It was a B-side for a track from the second album. And just as he would play it for live shows and stuff, he just started to see like the momentum pick up for this song and how people loved it so much. So he made it the center point of this third album when maybe he was down in the dumps about his writing, recording, and artistry. Um, And it's just a fantastic song. Amazing. 
Um, what did you think of the song Lucky? That's the next one on this album. Um, talk to me about that. Um, you know, we talk about universal truths a lot uh, mm-hmm. when we vinylize. And I actually feel like this song was written about my love story. Like I actually do feel like this song is about me and my wife. Um, you know, at a certain point in our relationship, uh, my wife moved to Australia and I landed a job on TV. So, you know, we had these two opposing forces like pull us apart, mm-hmm. but we knew we loved each other. And I actually believe in love at first sight. Like we met on Valentine's day. Like I I'll tell you, like the moment I saw my wife, I knew I was in love. The perfect us, story here. <laughs> oh <laughs> so my gosh. For us to like, like be halfway across across the globe was very yeah. difficult. Um, but there was just some, there was an energy there that kept us together. And there was this moment where I, I flew to, I flew to California on a shoot and I was standing on the edge of a pier. Um, and that was the moment when I knew that I was going to ask, you know, my wife to marry me, uh, when I, when I finally met her again in us in Australia, like I was looking out over the ocean and then, you know, years later I hear this song and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Jason Mraz wrote the song Lucky about me. And I love, (laughs) you know, I love the way the duet of Kobe Calais and -hmm. Jason Mraz like sing to each other and tell the story. I I just love it. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm talking way too much. What do you think of this song? This is, no, you're, you're, I love your, your love story, man. That is awesome. (laughs) Um, well to your point though, about that, I really like how this isn't a love song that takes place in a specific place, mm-hmm. because that way anybody anywhere can relate to it. Um, and, and just like you experienced, you know what I mean? Like maybe if he was singing about the streets of Paris, you might not have connected as well with it. Yeah. Um, I like the story behind this song, how uh, Jason Mraz is kind of lucky that the internet was around because <laughs> it was, it was an email that helped him write this song. He was part of a songwriters group. And they would send emails back and forth about ideas um, on how to write certain songs. And in this case, um, the game is sort of like you use a phrase. Somebody picks a phrase and all the other songwriters in the group have to write a song about that phrase. It was Jason Mraz's turn to write. And he had a photograph of a girl actually on the phone to him. And so he used that as inspiration. And he thought, okay, what am I going to choose here? What is this saying to me? And his phrase for this game was me talking to you. Mm. And so he already had the melody for Lucky uh, mapped out in his head and he had some of the words. And so so he kind of melded all of this together to create I'm Lucky. And I think with Colby Calais in it, um, he must have just heard her uh, as an up and coming star, loved her her talent and, and asked her to play. Or yeah, sing. he became a fan of hers from her MySpace. Okay. And then apparently he just reached out to her and said, you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing right now. I got the song. Like, do you, do you want to be a part of it? And then they end up winning the Grammy that mm-hmm. year uh, for best pop collaboration in 2010, which is pretty amazing. And they beat out yeah. the Taylor Swift oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> collaboration with Kobe <laughs> Calais as well. Right. We've talked about that. Um, I just, I love the conversation in this song. You know, do you hear me? I'm talking to you across the ocean, across the deep blue. That's me in that California. That is you, dude. And Aww. then, you know, she says, I hear you in my dreams. I feel you whisper across the sea. I keep you with me in my heart. You make it easy when life gets hard. 
it's just amazing. And lucky I'm in love with my best friend. Like I feel that way. She feels that way. It's just amazing. And the ooze at the end of the song are priceless. Like if you actually love this song, mm -hmm. you're going to have those moments in the shower where you're going, ooh, 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 or wherever <laughs> you're cooking dinner. Like my yeah. kids this week, I was telling my kids, I'm like, this song was actually written about me and your mom. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you know, cooking breakfast. I'm making French toast. And I'm like, I'm, I'm giving my best vocal performance on this song. Right. And the kids are like, wow, this song's written about my, my dad and my mom. That's <laughs> oh, wicked, man. Yeah. Um, you know, the next song we're going to talk about is butterfly. Woo. And, and I, I really like this song. Um, he, he played, um, with his roommate, uh, in a band called Bushwalla for a little bit. And I think it was the female bass player that, you know, while he's jamming, he's standing across looking at her. And um, he always would notice this little tattoo, a butterfly tattoo Ooh. that she had on her hip or around her hip area. And I think he even developed a bit of a crush for this bass player. And, um, you know, it's maybe band um, politics. It's not always a good idea to date somebody within the band, you know? Right. Um, so he, he always had this crush on her though. And, you know, she had a, a life outside of the band as well. She's also a burlesque dancer. And, you know, I think Jason Mraz really likes a challenge because he wanted to come up with a song that would kind of fit into this theme of stripping that, you know, could also be played in gentlemen's clubs. <laughs> and, and that's really when you listen to Butterfly, um, the kind of uh, vibe you're going to get. And, and when you listen to the lyrics, that might explain why he's talking about what he is. It's such an interesting idea for a song, you know, talking about like being an audience member at a gentleman's club. Yeah. And his producer actually said that he hates this song. Hmm. Don't do, we're not doing this song. But then Jason was like, you know, it's got such a good funky groove to it. We got to do it. And uh, what was missing is the horn section. And so he reaches out to Carlos from the uh, Grove Line Horns. And he says, you know, you want to just try putting some stuff to it. And like the next day, um, he gets an email and he's, it says like, looks like I'm in your band now and you can no <laughs> longer ever play this song without me. Um, so it's just like an interesting, like he's got this song written and figured out, but then, you know, this horn section adds this unbelievable part to the song. Like what would the song be without the horns? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same. That's for sure. It's interesting. He talks about like, you know, you're not allowed to touch the dancer, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, you know, kiss me with your eyelashes, Eskimo, your nose real close to mine, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like as close as you can get to the dancer, but you, of course, are not allowed um, to touch. And then he's saying like, you've got it all. He's like, you got it all. You got it all. You got it. Mm -hmm. And then is, you know, is he tongue in cheek when he's like sophisticated lady, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it is a really interesting idea of like uh, the muse is the dancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and cool. he, he also said he wanted to write the music in a way that like you could hear it at that club. Like, could you dance to this song? Which I don't know. I think it's a bit too silly. I think the lyrics are too silly. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know, man. There's only one way to find out, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, the next song is uh, Live High. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the tempo slows down here. Um, but it's got, you know, it's got big choruses, uh, in the song. Um, he talks about the giving tree, you yeah. know, you know, it, that, picture, picture a man as a giving tree. And that's a story, right? Yeah. By Shel Silverstein. Have you ever seen the back of that book? No. 
that is the scariest author picture in the history of author pictures. You just need to like Google the back of the giving tree. Like sometimes I just pull that book out and it's the size of my head anyway. And I'm just like, I'm Shel Silverstein. And my kids are like, run. No. No. I actually really love that book. So when it's, it's referenced in this uh, song or on this album more than once, I, I just, I love this idea of like someone who loves you so much that they're willing to give you everything until they have nothing left, left to give. And is that what the story of the giving tree is about? It starts from a seed, grows into a tree. It gives shade to people as it grows. So it's a boy who goes and plays in this orchard. He swings from the branches. He plays yeah. hide and seek. He naps under there. And then as he gets older, he brings a significant other. And then he comes back and the tree's lonely. He's like, I, you know, I need your branch. I need your apples to sell at the market. I need your branches to build a boat. I need to build a house. And then the tree gets cut down. It's sad. And then in the book, like, um, he comes back as an old man and the tree's like, I got nothing left to give you, buddy. And he's like, I just need a place to sit. You oh, know? and it's a right? stump. And they just, yeah. And they just sit they together. So oh my gosh. a relationship that comes back to you, you know, it's interesting. I, I really like this song. Um, you know, the, I liked it right from the first verse where he's describing everything down to its basic form, which is an atom. He's describing her eyes. Right. And, and it kind of, lays out what's about to happen in the rest of the song because all these atoms they make up the universe and we're all a part of the universe um and and i really liked how he mentioned god god is looking down and he he's looking through the blinds and he he's saying that while most people wonder how much time they have left jason mraz is kind of saying hey that's crazy don't worry about how much time you have left kind of worry about how you're spending whatever time you have now yeah. Right. So, so spend it loving people. Don't worry about when the end is coming. Um, you know, you got to live life to its fullest, stand up for what you believe in and be moral. Um, that to me is what the chorus is mm-hmm. living life to its fullest, standing up, standing up for what you believe in and living life to its fullest. Um, and the last verse is, is about the living faith and, you know, how we're all called to something and, and we should follow that pathway in the pursuit of purpose, purposefulness and, and being happy in what you're doing, you know? And I think that's the line, the call of the wild is still in ordination. Honestly, it, it is a great song. I love what you've just said about it. It also reminds me of that line, you know, you, you leap and the net will appear mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Make, it, make It Mine, the first song, because he says, live high, live mighty, live righteously. And then at one point in the song, he says, nothing is as it seems, this life is but a dream. And he was talking about being a dreamer and mm-hmm. fulfilling your dreams, right? So you got to live high. You got to live above. You, you almost need to s- almost see your life mapped out. You know, mm. if you're living high enough to see the plan and see how you affect people. And like yeah. as an artist who plays, you know, these huge shows, yeah. you live higher than yourself because, you know, you're, you're playing this great music and you're seeing how it affects your entire audience. That's such, a, I'm so glad you said that because I didn't quite I didn't know that like live high and what you said makes complete sense. You know, you, you, sometimes you simplify things for me and that's what I love about you, buddy. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, I think the (laughs) album, if it was released on vinyl, uh, would be getting very close to like uh, a side A and a side B break. And I was almost about to say it would end with live high, but I think, um, this, the side ends with love for a child. It ends on a tragic note. I Mm. think, um, to kind of move you into the B-side. So Love for a Child, this is a song um, about 
you know, a kid who's in it from a broken home dealing with divorce, uh, the loss of innocence in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it just is a great, um, it's a great example of how Jason Mraz tells a story. And it reminds me a little bit of um, Taylor Swift, how she tells great stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like he really sets the stage mm-hmm. and you understand what's happening. Uh, and then it takes you on this journey. And there's a bit of mystery in the first uh, verse, but I think it really hooks you. I don't know if it hooked you, but it hooked me. It, it totally did. Cause you're right. There's anecdotal, um, there's anecdotes in this song about his parents divorcing um, you know, like when he's uh, saying, you know, he'd get double presents on Christmas or his birthday, or <laughs> yeah. he'd tell them both that he's going to the other one's house, right? And then yes. he'd just skip out for the weekend. Um, so there's things like that. And and you're also right about the beginning, how I did something while I was vinylizing, Mark, and oh. I, prob- I probably won't do it again. Oh. But looking at my my watch a little bit, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to start finalizing as I'm listening to this song. So literally mm-hmm. as I'm hearing the words, I'm writing out what I'm thinking. Nice. And this song, and this isn't what it's about, but here's what I'm writing down. That it's about a house party he has as a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a couple making out in the car in the driveway. There's pool chemicals that are all messed up and someone hits their head. Typical house party as a, as a teenager, right? Yeah. And, and he's reflecting back on this time of innocence when he didn't know any better and he was wishing he could have had some of that back. Um, so in other words, as you get older, you lose your innocence. But, yeah. but don't vinylize that way, man. Listen to the whole song first because then he gets into clarity and he talks about his parents. And then it's like an aha moment for, for me, the listener. I'm like, oh, that's what he's talking about, you know? But the in- intro really does set the stage of that lack or loss of innocence because he's in that party situation because Mm -hmm. uh you know he doesn't have those that cohesive family unit that's like you know keeping track of him i love he says he works the floor after the divorce yeah you know he's he's pitting them against each other and so he's allowed to go these parties like i had a friend in high school whose parents divorced um and he ended up moving down into the basement apartment at their house and he had so much freedom that he was able to do things that you know, the, he almost became a superhero in a way because mm-hmm. all the other kids didn't have this much freedom, right? Like what you live in your, your basement apartment, like, uh, you know, you, your parents don't know what you're doing yeah. ever. You can stay you up know? as late as you want. Like you're not getting in trouble for that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you don't have a curfew, like all of these really interesting mm-hmm. things. And and you talk about this party and I, I, I didn't really link it, but when we were in grade 11, this one guy had a house party and he handed out all these like uh, like little notes that were like, be at my party on Friday at nine o'clock. But it got out that there was going to be this huge party and like kids from like three schools came <laughs> to this party. And it was like, it was like a house party out of like a movie. Okay, yeah. Paul. Yeah. And then what happened is at around 11 o'clock, the, the three kegs of beer that people had paid to be a part of like mm-hmm. ran out. Mm-hmm. But people had all felt like we paid 10 bucks or five bucks to be here. We didn't get our, our, you know, we didn't get our fair share. And so the house literally like erupted into like <laughs> pandemonium. Oh uh, someone went downstairs and like turned the fuse box off. Okay. And then all of a sudden, like everyone in the house Complete started darkness. freaking out. 
Yeah. Complete darkness. The pool table got trashed. I'm like Walls the, the master bedroom mirror was smashed. All of the floor, uh, the the baseboards along the floor were kicked in. Oh. Uh, like someone threw up in a couple beds. Like it was Damn like it. a nightmare. Like when the lights came back on, when someone like <laughs> ran downstairs and turned it on, you were like, "This is not the same house." <laughs> oh and my everyone was gosh. like, "Let's get out of here," you know. Um, so it kind of reminds me when you talked about this house party. I never even linked it that these things actually happen where. Uh, you you go to these parties and they're out of control because maybe the parents are off doing their own thing instead of looking after their kids. Oh man, isn't that crazy? I can't imagine that. That'd be. And I think most coming home and your kids hey, trash your house. I think everybody has a house party story like that, right? Where the house gets trashed. Man. Um, oh. Next song is uh, "Details in the Fabric," and and this was another songwriting challenge uh, where the prompt was simply "sewing machine." Um, mm. and, and, and I found it interesting that the message from the friends answering machine starts and ends this song. Uh, I tried really listening to this mark, but I couldn't figure out what they were saying. Were you able to pick that apart? Not, not really. It's just like an interesting phone message, but it's also kind of like gibberish. Cause at the end he talks about like being on an, an island, island that's of a, a yeah. diarrhea or something like that. No, he says you're an island of um, security in an ocean of diarrhea. Diarrhea. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just like him having fun with this phone message, or maybe it's, it's, you know, paying homage to this like writers. Yeah. Maybe there's a deeper meaning to this. I'm not sure. Right. I do like that you keep bringing this up. So he has been challenged by a friend. He gets like a lyric or a word or a theme to write a song every week. And he's kept this up for 15 years. I watched an interview where he talked about it. Like that is is incredible. So not only is he writing one song a week, I'm sure he's writing other songs. So, but if you just took those songs, that's like 780 songs. Do you think that's sometimes crazy. he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta mail it in today. This is a 45 second song. Doop, 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 done. Oh, you mean like how you like research this week's final ad? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Of course. I'm sure it gets old. It gets lame, right? It's like if you do the same exercise yeah. every day, yeah. there's some days where you're just like, definitely going to phone this one in. Um, so that's probably the same with writing songs or yeah. journals or, you know, small novelettes. Uh, so he has a, he has a, a guest musician on this song okay. named James. Is it James Morrison? Yes. An English singer songwriter. Yes. Um, I think this is interesting because if you like this song, if you like what this other artist is bringing to the table, this is going to allow a vinylizer to vinylize more, maybe go and pick up a digital copy of, you know, one of this guy's records around mm -hmm. the same time. And you may find a brand new artist who opens your door to great music. Uh, I definitely say take the leap. The net will show up on this one if you uh, go and listen to James Morrison. Nice. Uh, and so this song is about comforting a friend. I think the person's name is Billy Mushwala, who uh, fell into depression uh, after a long-term relationship broke up. So that's what this song is actually about. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, the next one was uh, Coyotes. And, um, you know, musically, there's a lot going on in this song. It's It's got this backbeat that uses a synthesizer, but then partway through an opera, an opera part is mixed yeah. in. And, and then there's kids singing at the end. Um, it's a really catchy tune, though, and it, and it totally works for me. And, and you know, again, Mraz is just fantastic with his lyrics. You, you got to really dissect what he's saying most of the time. So uh, I'm not really sure of what he's writing about in this song. Um, I'm not sure if coyotes is like a, um, a metaphor for like guys chasing women or trying to get mm. back with them. 
Um, that's yeah. that's what I suspect it would mean, but I I really don't know, man. Yeah, you got to think of like, why is it this animal? Like, isn't a coyote kind of like a scavenger? But they're very smart and yeah. cu they're cunning. And, yeah, and you don't always see them, right? They kind of blend no. in. But they can live, you know, and and then they come and take your little dog. Well, they can live anywhere too, though, right? <laughs> they can live in right. cities, country. They're they're very adaptable. And uh, that's interesting you say that because he does say uh, that when the coyotes they sing in the park, and then he says they sing in New York, mm -hmm. so he changes their location. Um, to be honest with you, uh, this just song just reminds me of Coyote Ugly, the movie. Yeah. And did you ever see Coyote Ugly? Bartending, yeah, New York. Yeah. I just never understood why it was called Coyote Ugly because there was no ugly coyotes in that movie at all. <laughs> There's some cougars. You know? <laughs> okay, right, right. <laughs> um, it's just interesting. It's like, I I think Coyote Ugly is like Cocktail 2, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay um he does say that uh there's a weapon of jargon uh in this song and i think he definitely uses his weapon of jargon when he comes up with all of these interesting lyrics that are like fast sports cars flying by you um yeah i don't really know what the song is about it, it's interesting i don't know if i love this song to be honest with you i think uh, this might be a skipper for me uh yeah i mean skipper. okay next no i don't know i don't know is it a skipper for you i don't know um, like i'm saying when i listen to no, it it's it, it, it's not one that i'm like i need to get to the yeah, coyote song no it's not a skipper because it's a really catchy tune it's it's fun to listen yeah. to and like i said it's right. got that opera midway and, and kids singing at the end so it, it your brain is on this journey of like what's happening next um right. and so it keeps you along for the ride but um the lyrics uh, yeah it leaves you wondering what the heck it's about yeah it really does um yeah, let's let's. I think I need to move on to song number nine, if that's okay. Uh, more, Unless you want to say anything else. I'm more than fun of that. Song number nine. <laughs> the dingo, the dingo took your baby. Okay, <laughs> number nine. Um, so no, number nine uh, is only human. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to be human, and is it an excuse to destroy this planet? I think that's what this song is about. Right. It's no surprise that Jason Mraz is an earthy guy, and yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's what this song is about is maybe even global warming. You know, if you're mm -hmm. going to pick like a, a more specific topic, you know, okay. because the planet planet is talking about a revolution. And that to me is like mm. fighting back with, um, you know, the, the climate is getting um, it, it's getting just different. Right. You're seeing more hurricanes, more um, more more weather that's um, threatening. Right. Yeah. So. Planet's talking about a revolution. Natural laws ain't got no constitution is another line saying mm. the, the planet doesn't care. It's going to do what it wants on its own time. And, yeah, um, you know, he spins the phrase, hey, I'm only human. I think it's to excuse what we're doing on the planet. Like, hey, I'm only human. Right. Yeah. It's that popular phrase. Hey, I'm only human. And there's that idea that the world will live on without us. Even if we think we destroy it, it'll live on. And revolution is interesting because the world actually spins around, right? Oh. And that, you know, we create all these rules for ourselves, like greenhouse mm -hmm. gas emissions need to be at this point in, you know, 2050. Um, but really, like, the, the earth isn't playing along yeah. in, in, in those realms. It's like, we're just, yeah. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. If, if you're admitting too much pollution and greenhouse gases, well, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. It's going to be bad for you yeah, guys. You, but, you can make as many excuses as you want. Like it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. what, it's interesting. Yeah. He says, um, if I fall in love and give myself a baby, I'll let my child have their way. 
So it's almost like the cycle like repeats again and again. Like, you know, I want to give the best to my child. But if we live in our North American standards of like three cars and Mm -hmm. fast food and like, you know, a huge bag of garbage every day. Yeah. And everyone else on the planet starts doing that. You know, we're not going to have much of a planet left. Or like the thought that generationally the next one will figure it out. Right. So I'll have a kid and that generation will figure it out. It'll be okay. Um, so interesting. Interesting. So what do you think of the song in general, like the, the melody and all that? Um, you know, I really like it. And I think that it's kind of like a lounge song. Yeah. Uh, and the horns really complement uh, this jazzy style, um, which which is really interesting. And it it, it kind of just takes the album into a new realm for me. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talked at the beginning about how this album keeps like bringing different genres of music to you mm-hmm. or different vibes, this is one of those songs. And, and Coyotes is one of those songs right, yeah. and the details in the fabric. The, the vibe I got of this one, uh, a similar genre would be something that Jamiroquai would put out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I, you know, I didn't think of that until you just said it, but it is, it's totally off. Uh, oh, what's that album? Traveling da, 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 in paradise. Da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah. That, that one. Yeah. Da, da, That's exactly da, da, how it sounds. Da, da, da. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Always. Hey, we're scatting. So uh, the next song is called The Dynamo of Volition. And I think it's time that we... Glossarize. Okay, um, so what's a dynamo? A dynamo is an electric generator. Okay, Uh, what is volition? Well, it's the act of willing or choosing or resolving something. Okay, so if you bring those two things together, the the dynamo of volition, it's like the power to be free. Okay, okay. So I think this is what this song is about. He's got super fast vocals on this song, and it's like kind of a hip hop, right, Paul? It's a total rap, man. but I need to get a code breaker in here because I can't make any sense of, of of the lyrics. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers have some songs where when you listen to yeah. the lyrics, you're like, what What are they even talking about? And even the most abstract mind has a tough time putting it together. The Dynamo of Volition did that for me. I, I was like, I'd love to explain this to the listeners. I can't. So please check it out for yourselves unless Mark, you, yeah. can you break this code, Mark? Well, there's a lot. No, I think there's, there's a lot to unpack here. He's a, he's a wordsmith. Mm-hmm. I, I do love that. The idea of the chorus is kind of like, I was coming up with a really cool high five, mm-hmm. right? Like good job. Mm-hmm. Get him up way high. Come on. Give me that high five. And then way down low. Give me that low dough, which I think he's talking about the music scale, right? Like do, re, oh. mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, ah. but going down the scale. And then it got me thinking like, you know, we've been friends for so long. Have we ever had a secret like high five handshake. handshake thing? No, no. Yeah, no. I feel like that's something we should have done. Do you still want to do it? I well, yeah, for sure. We is should. There like a cutoff? Is point. there a cutoff age for this? Like, I I don't know. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> if you get to year thirty of friendship, you are not allowed to create your own secret handshake. That's that's where it's going. I, I actually saw this really interesting uh, handshake, which is called the mountain climber. Oh, God. okay. So what you do is you like <laughs> high five, but you miss, uh-huh. and then you plant your hand on the other person's arm. <laughs> And then you like use two fingers to climb all the way up the person's shoulder. And then you jump off the shoulder and you come back around with the hand. And then your hands like kind of meet at hip level. Oh, I wish. Don't you wish you thought of that one? 
Like, oh yeah, man, I think that's that would good. definitely be a part of our handshake, right? It. The mountain climber. We 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 kind of miss yeah. plant climb the Mount Everest yeah. to the shoulder and then swing whoosh. it around. Love it. Yeah, I, I think that the what what is the how do you get a good high five going? You look at the yeah, elbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, look at the elbow. Swing it around. You look at the elbow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh wait. Okay. So he says, "Heck is for the people not believing in gosh." Mm-hmm. which he's kind of being silly. He's kind of saying hell is for the people who don't believe in God, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say those two words. So he's having so much fun uh, with his words. And he talks about keeping up with the Joneses, which was actually a comic strip uh, in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially the idea of like, you know, if your neighbor buys, you know, a really great new lawnmower, you know, you're going to feel the need, need to do that too. And isn't it- So I think that's such a... Yeah. The next line after that is a in waiting for Guns and Roses. Yeah, do you know what that's about? I, I, I'm going to assume it's about them release waiting to release an album and, and keeping their audience wanting more, and they never end up releasing an album. I don't know. Okay, so I don't know the full facts of this Guns and Roses album, but uh-huh. apparently it was Axel Axel Rose. Yeah. Uh, so when he kept the the band, but most of the other artists had left, he tried to record this album and he put tons of money into it. I don't know the name of the album, but it ended up taking like oh, years and years Chinese, and I think years. that was Chinese democracy. Okay, so so he's actually making a joke that he's like waiting for the new Guns oh, and Roses cool. album to come out. But it's like years and years in the making. And I think when it comes out, it's a bit of a dud. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. Okay. Okay, I don't, I've never listened to it. Maybe we should cover that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> um, so anyway, the energy definitely picks up and the bass is really cool in this song. And now, which, are you still talking about Dynamo Volition? The rap? Yeah, in yeah. song number 10. It's, it's yeah, yeah, for crazy sure. fast. It's fun to listen to. Like just the way he strings together words so quickly and um, he enunciates all his words as well. So you can, yeah. if you train your ear to listen. You're going to hear each one. It's really good. Last lyric that pops out before we move on is you're the best definition of good intentions. The best definition of good intentions. You're the best definition of good intentions. So you like, you're the type of person that comes into a situation and you always have uh, the best intentions. You know, you don't have like a ulterior motive, and s- which I, I think is really neat. Side note, just before we move on, uh, Chinese Democracy uh-huh. by Guns N' Roses was released November 23rd, 2008. So months, <gasps> that yeah, year. just months after this was released. So that's kind of neat. Oh, amazing. Okay, so there you go. We're vinylizing. Woo! Um, song 11 is If It Kills Me. Wait, is, is this another song with an answering machine or a voicemail at the beginning? It is. What's going on? I with that? think there's a rule. You can only have one per album, like yeah, one song per one. album. Yeah. Um, yeah. He breaks a couple rules. He, he puts two lullabies on this album. He puts two <laughs> answering machines. What are you doing? No more fade outs. Um, you know, the song is written to his best friend who he's grown to love, but he can't mm. really tell her because she's in a relationship with another guy. And hey, what's going to happen if he tells her that he's in love with her, right? Maybe all those great moments and you know, the great moments you see you you guys spending ahead in life, that might be ruined. That might be taken away, right? Yeah, yeah. He he kind of wants to see the look on her face. He says, to see the look on your face, to know that I know that you know. She's keep. I want you to know that I know that but you But at know, the same time, right? who's to say that she wants to keep him in the friend zone? Maybe if he takes that chance, mm-hmm. they won't be in the friend zone anymore. But I, hmm. He he says, you know, we get along much better than uh, you and your boyfriend, right? 
Yeah. And it's interesting. And he's saying like, you know, uh, you know, he wants to be in this relationship, even if it kills him, which is kind of crazy, right? He's like going to fall on the sword. Uh, can we just talk about the music for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love the piano or the keyboard in this song. Mm -hmm. It becomes like the lead percussion yeah. uh, for, for, the, for the verses, which is really interesting. And it's like, really like, if you had sat down and wrote that piano riff, you might just be like, oh, this is kind of like a really basic, boring, sped up piano riff. Mm -hmm. But with it working with all the other instruments in the song, it's just so dynamic. It's really front and center in this whole song, mm -hmm. right? It stands out. And um, the other instruments I felt, um, they, they help. I guess they're, they're they're like the backing. They're like, you know, that you got the front man in the band and then you got the rest of the band. The piano is like the yeah. front man in the band here. If, yeah, if the yeah. instruments were like that. Um, very, very cool song. Great piano song, man. And, and I feel like this song would work really well in like a rom-com movie. For sure. You know, like, you know, like this could be in the trailer for the movie, right? Like, if it kills me, yeah. you know, like, and he's like running through the streets. He's like, I still love her. It's like Crocodile Dundee. He's like walking on the heads of the people in like New York City. And you hear this song, you know, like, um, and I just love that it, it ends with, I think it might kill me. Thank you for reminding me of Crocodile Dundee in that awesome moment. <laughs> Isn't that a great moment? He says he loves you. What does he say? He loves He's coming down. You know, you know, and then like, like he just walks on people's heads. You know, this is a Crocodile Dundee. That's, that's, that's not a That's knife. love, man. That's yeah, love. this is a knife. Um, so the next and the last song on this album is A Beautiful Mess. Um, I thought it was kind of neat fun fact that he played this at the 2008 Nobel Nobel Peace Prize um, ceremony. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So there's a concert that they have while they're giving out the award. And, um, you know, this is a beautiful song. I'm not sure why it was chosen for the, the awards, though. Um, you know, there are other artists playing, and I'm not sure if it's up to the artists themselves to just choose a song that would be fitting uh, melodically to um, an, an awards ceremony that has a lot of pomp and circumstance to it. Because the way this song sounds would be fitting for that. The message, on the other hand, um, you know, what if I was to draw that parallel, okay, how does this song relate to the Nobel Peace Prize? Um, yeah. It's about never giving up on someone or something, um, even if you think there's imperfections there, even if you think it might not be totally worth it, you, you don't give up on it. You, you always stay by their side or you pursue that thing. And I think a lot of these people that have won the Nobel Peace Prize have demonstrated that. Yeah. Now, you, you keep at it, even if it's, you know, not always working out. You got to believe in your, yeah. your goal. No, I, I, right? you, have to, you have to live high. You have to live, live high. high. You have to see above That's it. That's it. That's right? it, man. To see the final goal that, that you see the maze in front of you. Sorry. No, I man. No, no. You're totally gone. You're on point. Um, I, I think really when Jason Mraz is writing this, it's, it's most likely for a girl. And, and it's, you know accept someone for who they are, not for the way you want them to be. Yeah. It's interesting. He says, you know, Hey, what a beautiful mess this is. It's like picking up trash in dresses, uh -huh. which is interesting. Um, and it almost seems like, you know, we like to link the album or the first song with the last song. A beautiful mess is kind of like what all these songs mm -hmm. are. It's a beautiful mess of songs and sounds and genres that come together to make this amazing album. And this idea of picking up trash and dresses reminds me of that Robert Munch the paper book, bag the princess. Paper bag princess, right? Because it even says in the song, you know, like 
uh, through timeless words and uh, priceless pictures, we tore our dresses and stained our shirts, right? So in the paperback princess, like, you know, her beloved gets taken away and then she decides to save him in this paper bag mm -hmm. and she tricks the dragon into doing all his things. And when she finally releases Ronald, the prince, <laughs> he's like, the first thing he says is like, what is this outfit you're wearing? Her hair's all messed you know? up. She's dirty. and Yeah. And then she's like, you look like a princess, but you're actually a bum. And then she just skips off into the <laughs> distance without him. So the whole story is like for yeah. not because turns out that Ronald is just like kind of a jerk, right? Uh, but in this case, uh, he says, oh, the wait was so worth it. And that's kind of like how the song mm -hmm. ends. You know, and I wonder if this album, if it was hard to create at the end of it when they finally you know, master it. I wonder if the weight was worth it. This beautiful mess of all these songs, if it was worth it, putting all these songs together, Yeah. you know, and kind of starting with a B side to make it an A yeah. side to make this whole yeah. album work, you know? Yeah. I love that. It keeps repeating this idea of here we are, here we are, here we are. It says it eight mm -hmm. times as we're still here. You know, where is he? Is he living high? Is he still in his dream? Has he woken up from his dream? You know, is he only human? You know, is he powering his own choices as a dynamo? Maybe he's a coyote. Yeah, and maybe it's know. all of those things, right? As we contemplate things in our mind, as you know, we as we always do, you know, these ideas pop in and then they pop out, and um, yeah, it's a really, really great way of looking at that. This this reminds me of a lullaby, and I think it can definitely like put your mind at rest. Yep. Ending the song. Yep. Uh, or ending the album. Uh, so we've come to the end of the album. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, Jason Mraz or this no, album? No, I, I, wish, I wish I had a bit more time to look into him because he's a pretty interesting guy. I know he's an avocado farmer. Um, yes. You know, some of these beachy influences are because he's grown up on um, the West Coast and uh, he's a surfer. So he's won some international awards from surfing the surfing community for his work. Um, I know he does a lot of charity work and he's uh, like into social activism so he's not just uh sitting around you know doing nothing this guy is busy and um that's it's pretty good to see it's interesting he said his music allowed him uh it allows him to live it gives him all his basic needs so he feels like he wants to give back and one of the things he gives back to is these programs where you know kids can go to camps and get moments with adults who kind of grow their creativity or their artistry. And so he said he, he really felt like those moments were really important for him. And that's how he became, you know, the, the type of person he is. So he's giving back to those foundations, the Jason Mraz Foundation. De definitely check it out, Vinylize listeners, because I think it's really great. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is where he started. So in San Diego, uh, when he moved there, he started playing in coffee shops. Mm -hmm. And so he would actually, he played there for like three years uh, and would play to sell sold out shows. And he actually said in an interview that I watched this week that he probably could have just stayed there because a sold out show is a sold out show. But it was other people like believing in his talent and his ability and telling him like, we need to hear you in other venues and other places and inspiring him to like, you know, record a song and get mm -hmm. it on the radio. And then maybe the rest is history. But I thought that was a really neat way for someone to start. And we're coming at it yeah. this week at, on his third yeah. album. But, you know, where did he come yeah, from? Yeah, coffee shops you know? are such a big part of his life as well for, for what they've given to him. And he's part owner of a coffee shop called the Gratitude Cafe. And that was the name of his tour, Gratitude Cafe. And oh, yeah, and, and he mentions Gratitude Cafe in a couple of the songs. Um, I think Make It Mine has it mentioned in there. 
What do you think? What do you think the definition of a gratitude cafe Mm. is? I never even thought of this before, but you're mentioning it. Like, what what is gratitude? gratitude, Like being being thankful, thankful for something. And then, yeah, I, I think maybe gratitude cafe means, you know, sitting down with that cup of coffee and that feeling that you get when you're just relaxed and a mellow vibe. Um, and you're, you're, you're grateful for what's going on around you. You're grateful that you can sit down and just enjoy something as simple as a coffee bean. Oh, I really like this idea. You know what? I'm going to actually, you've inspired me to do something this week. I think every time I have my, my first cup of coffee this week, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to be in a moment where I think about what I'm thankful Mm -hmm. for, because I have a lot to be thankful Mm -hmm. for. So maybe our other vinylized listeners can do that too with their morning Joe. What song is going on the epic playlist, Paul? I'm picking track number five, which is Live High. Live oh, High. Yeah. Nice. Um, there's something about it that uh, stood out to me more than the other ones. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, my, I'm yours and make it mine and, and Lucky are very popular. They're good songs. But Live High, I just really liked um, the, the lyrics that he, he wrote in this song, the message that this song gives. I'm, I'm down with it, so I want to put it on our epic playlist. And that's where it's going. With another song added to our epic playlist on Spotify, this brings us to the end of the Jason Mraz We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things vinylized session. Join us on Facebook for related links and videos all week long. Special thanks to Alex Sykes for putting the show together. We'll talk to you next time when we pick a new album and we tempt you to steal things. <laughs>